Good morning, Asian America. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Santanu Raman. I'm Tony Vo. And I'm Shutong Hao. So this is sort of a reboot in many ways. Yeah. Yeah, we barely got going and we're rebooting, which is totally <laughs> fine. Yes. Um, Shutong, we're so happy that you joined us. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so I think what we should do is talk a little bit about ourselves. Sure. Oh, totally. But then we're going to get topical AF on this thing oh, here. perfect. Yeah, get right into it. Good. All right. Let's get going. Tong, I want to start with yes. you. Oh, <laughs> tell, all right. Tell Perfect. us about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Xu Tong Hao. I am a first generation Chinese immigrant. Uh, I graduated from Austin College uh, in 2018 with a degree in cultural anthropology, and I think I've sort of based everything around my passion for culture and figuring out this dual identity I've been handed. Nice. So. By first generation, do you, you were born in China? I was born in China, okay. but I came very, very young to the United States. Okay. Uh, okay. So maybe generation 1.5, yeah. I think is what, what... When, how old were you when you came over? I was two years old. Ah. Yeah, I was very, very young. Definitely 1.5. Okay. Yeah, I okay. would say yeah. so too, yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. That's really awesome. Tony, you're not one. You said you were 2.5. <laughs> I am. I recently discovered, I guess, uh, that I was 2.5. Okay. But I'm born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Oh. Uh, so a true Southern Texas boy. Yeah. As, Dang. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I'm an 80s baby. Uh, oh. Born in 1983, so mm-hmm. uh, we just celebrated uh, the year of the boar, which was like mm-hmm. my year. Everyone told me that it was unlucky. Like oh. it, your year is supposed to be unlucky, really? but I actually kind of came away unscathed. Nice. So nice. Yeah. So when we say 2.5, right. what we're talking about is you're born and raised here your parents were immigrants mm-hmm. you were born and raised here yes but then you would frequently go back to vietnam oh. vietnam yeah i see so i started in like the early 90s when we could finally go back mm-hmm. um out of all of my brothers and sisters and cousins i was the only one who really wanted to go back my mom's side oh. of the family was still there mm-hmm. and so uh every summer they would ship me back for two, two and a half months. Wow. Um, to for learn how, many, the, how many years? Uh, maybe from when I was like 10 to 16 or 17. Oh, wow. At some okay. point in high school, I was like, I don't want to go back anymore. <laughs> um, and now I look back, I'm like, I wish I could go back still. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, full time work right, and whatnot. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, in a way, I feel like I'm a 2.5. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Because, you know, I would spend all these summers in Vietnam mm-hmm. and then come back and I would be so out of it in terms mm-hmm. of like the, um, what 
movies people were watching yes. or what songs mm-hmm. were popular. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I always kind of grew up feeling a bit discombobulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I consider myself very much second generation. My sure. my parents, you know, immigrated from India to here mm-hmm. and I was born in Champaign, Illinois <laughs> and born and raised there and only went to India like maybe three times my mm-hmm. entire life. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, you know, as Midwest as Midwest can be, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. love corn. <laughs> <laughs> can you eat corn now that you're on this kind of low carb diet? Yeah, so I've been cutting a lot of sugars and starch yeah. and bread, so Hard. not as much, and I miss it. <laughs> oh, no. How much longer do you plan on doing it? For the rest of my damn life, man. Uh, oh, this is a lifestyle. <laughs> this is a lifestyle Jurassic. thing, yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it, the adjustment period is always the hardest. Yeah. And then once you go a while without tasting yeah. real sugar, <laughs> totally. just the smallest amounts will, I mean, your taste buds change. Totally. So. And in addition to American food, I love Asian food and yes. South Asian food and every other kind of Asian food. Of course. And a lot of it has a lot oh, of yeah. carbs in it. I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> What part of India is your people from? So from Calcutta, India. Mm. So I am uh, Bengali, Bengali mm. American. And, um, and it's very fascinating because, and I'm sure y'all can speak to this in your respective communities, mm-hmm. but even within South Asians, there's so much disparity and differences within yes. different types of uh, folks from different parts of India. So, mm-hmm. for example, my my family's from Bengal. My wife's family's from Gujarat, and the okay. two cultures could not be more different than right. each other. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, one like Bengali is in a, in sort of a uh, a very generalized nutshell. I mean, uh, we're very much almost like individualistic and more like on the end of arts and and academics and literature mm-hmm. and scholarly poet stuff on the Gujarat and it's very entrepreneurial very much running businesses and very much in group like we need the group to help. Now, are you talking about like Indian America? No. Or even I'm back ta- in well, the homeland? What I'm, actually, you know what? I, I think it amplifies in America. I yeah. think mm. you see it in India, but it really amplifies here because yeah. everybody's chasing that American dream here. Right. And so they're going to do it with the tools and resource and the ethos and the value systems right. that they have. Mm-hmm. And the that networks they, that they build. Yes. Right? Yes. Interestingly enough, like for the Vietnamese folks, like we are known for being in the nail industry. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, nail nail yeah. salon. Nail I was thinking salons. like hammer and nails. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of that too. But like, you know, it became an industry for Vietnamese people because like in the 70s, um, this actress, Tippi Hedren, she went oh. to go visit a bunch of uh, newly arrived refugees and mm-hmm. she realized they need work. They need oh. a skill, so she brought in her nail uh, nail artist, and he taught all of the women how to do nails, and that's how um, Vietnamese people really came into the nail industry. Wow. But I know for so many um, other folks, like you know, there's restaurants, yes. laundry mats, and motels. Mm-hmm. Every time I travel to West Texas and stay in a motel, it's oftentimes a South Asian right. family mm-hmm. running right. it. Mm-hmm. 
There's all kinds of networks for that. And, you know, have you seen that documentary, The Search for General Tso? I have not. Well, what they talk about is that there's networks in the Chinese mm -hmm. immigrant community here. Mm -hmm. um, there were, I don't know if there still are, of someone coming overseas from China here. Mm -hmm. They're immediately, you know, part of this network that says, "Hey, there's there are no Chinese restaurants in this city yeah. town in America. Yeah. Go there." Yeah. You know? Oh. Yeah, and I think the history behind that is really interesting as well because I think a lot of um, the majority of the first kind of group of Chinese immigrants, of course, arrived I think in New York, and so they were being persecuted at the time. And so Chinatowns were really born from that sort of persecution because they didn't have a niche in society. And so they had to create their own with their own language, with their own food. And I think that's where sort of the restaurant industry or the restaurant stereotype kind of comes from. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, with our generation, um, most of us are, you know, working in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. um, and we're not really as, uh, you know, individual businesses like yeah. our mm -hmm. our parents' yeah. era. And in a way, I'm really sad about it, right? Because yeah. they're aging out, they're retiring, and no mm -hmm. one's keeping the family business going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, that was what they wanted of us, right? They were like, yeah. I don't want you to have to work seven days a week, 12 right. hours a day. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how I feel about that, I think. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting is that there is uh, there is this idea that the first generation immigrant have for their children is is really interesting and that I think it cuts mm -hmm. to our soul sometimes. Mm -hmm. We don't want you to have to work as hard as us. Yeah. Right. Which on the surface seems nice. Uh-huh. But then what we don't get necessarily is this grit and resilience that mm. they have. Um, mm -hmm. This mental toughening, like that, you know, we're, we've uprooted ourselves, mm -hmm. so we're in survival mode. So mm -hmm. we're going to be tough as nails and make it. Well, geez, I'd like to have some of that DNA too. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. versus like, they don't have bottled water. <laughs> Is this filtered? <laughs> right. yeah. Spring fed? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Like, um, our generation, we're not risk takers as much mm -hmm. as our family. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be so much to lose. So I look back at it and I'm just like, how did they do that? Yeah. You know, the banks didn't give them a loan back in the day. Yeah. Like, they just scramble together. And we might have talked about this before, Santanu, but, like, you know, all these ethnic communities, they kind of have their own, like, banks, like, mm -hmm. um, informal banking system yeah, where yeah. 20 businessmen come together, they loan a new person $20,000, mm -hmm. and then when they finally make it, it's their obligation to give the money back and also pitch in for the next person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, those days yeah. are gone. I think, though, it kind of came at a great cost to mm. uh, those right. generations that That's a good first point. came here. I know that, you know, my parents, I immigrated with them. Mm -hmm. And I know that, like you said, because they're in a new country with a new language and they're facing all of these brand new challenges, that they're in survival mode. And I think because of that, they don't get to focus on the things that we now get to focus on. Mm. Um, and I know that, you know, for some parents, 
who or grandparents who made that journey here, uh, one of the costs that it came that was their mental health. Mm. Oh, um, sure. And I think, you know, they don't get to focus on that. And I think maybe that's where the stigma comes from. Absolutely. Uh, and so I think, of course, you're right. I totally agree that that, you know, we don't necessarily have that sort of resilience because we didn't go through those same trials and tribulations. But mm, at the yeah. same time, I think we have the luxury to focus on other things. It's such a great point, Shutong, because I see it with my own aging parents because mm-hmm. they were in that survival mode for yeah. so long. Yeah. Now that they're in retirement age, and I see this with a lot of uh, Asian American mm-hmm. seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, seniors, and when I say Asian American, I'm, I'm generally referring to first generation immigrant Asians mm-hmm. who've become American citizens is sometimes they struggle with what to do with themselves once they've retired. Yeah, when once they're not in the grind anymore. Right. Yeah. That's a good point, yeah. Like what is the purpose and meaning of life? Yeah. My kids are all established. Right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I did all of this for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was that one yeah. goal for so long. Well, I'm glad we're talking about this because, you know, like, that's kind of the core of why we're doing this podcast mm-hmm. is trying to understand the Asian American experience, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm bringing up mental health. I always think about the generational gap, yes. mm-hmm. right? Yes. And how so many of us have a hard time relating to our parents mm-hmm. and perhaps even to our culture and our communities mm-hmm. um, because we don't have the same mentality as our parents um and we're so much more american than them and kind of like you said shutong we're not in survival mode so what does that mean for us yes Mm -hmm. you know and this is this is where i i'm just so loving the fact that we're doing a podcast about this whole thing because Mm -hmm. um because Many of us, 1.5 generation and second generation and 2.5 generations, (laughs) (laughs) folks, we have sort of taken on those immigrant values Mm -hmm. by proxy, right? Because we're raised with them. So many, many, many of us go into the STEM fields, the science, technology, engineering, math fields, and we take on that sort of immigrant value of, okay, this is the fastest route to social mobility, STEM. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then now we have a lot of 1.5 second generation folks who are in the STEM fields and many are happy doing it. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder if there are some who are at an, at an existential crisis <laughs> realizing like, Oh my God. Yeah. This? <laughs> no. So I, um, you know, I work at the center for Asian American studies, which is in the college of liberal arts at mm-hmm. UT Austin. And, uh, you know, UT has 20% Asian American student wow. body. So there's like 10,000 Asian students running around. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear almost every week, because uh, I advise students how mm-hmm. um, disenchanted a lot of our Asian American students are on these campuses mm-hmm. because they are pushed into the STEM field, electrical yeah. engineering, computer science, yes. biochem. They don't love it. 
Maybe yeah. they're good at it, but right. they don't love it. Yeah. And so they often find themselves in my office wondering if Asian American studies is um, a uh, viable option for them. And what I always hear is they have personal interest and passion in mm-hmm. taking Asian American studies courses, but they struggle with how do I sell this to my mom and dad? Right. Yeah. yeah. There's no prestige in it, right? Yeah. That's so interesting because you would think that these parents would want their kids to maybe go into a field to learn more about their own culture and more about their own history. Yet Why do you think they don't? I think, I, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's not exactly a viable, lucrative field. Um, I also don't know that Asian Americans in general or just Asians really promote fields of creativity. That's um, true. And I think that is definitely one of them. But you know, like we come from such rich cultural backgrounds, right? right? Um, so I, I I see such a disparity mm-hmm. there. Um, and that's kind of disheartening. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I think times are really changing mm-hmm. and our our ideas of of business, media and all yeah. these things are becoming so much more democratized now yeah. mm-hmm. that I really feel like things like this podcast, media and all, they, these are at everybody's disposal mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if there's uh, if, if there's something that I would love to see uh, is that fields like Asian American studies could also take on sort of this media development kind of yeah. branding type of thing where it's like mm. it's all about, OK, you've got the theories and the history and all this knowledge. Now, get your voice out there. Yeah. Because yeah. not only first and foremost, it's going to be therapeutic because once a microphone is in front of you, you're going to get honest. <laughs> you're go- it's going to show mm-hmm. at, present to you right now very much in real time what yeah. is real once yeah. you're put on the spot. So on that, it's very healthy. On the other front is that, you know, whatever your voice is, your voice is going to affect other people. Yeah. Right? You know, right. put it out there. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, so uh, so I, I don't feel like these things, you know, how in higher ed we have all these <laughs> divisions, right? Mm-hmm. Communications is one division. Education is another division. Yeah. Business mm-hmm. is another division. And, you know, ethnic studies is another division. Mm-hmm. Why we got to be all segregated like that? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, that's what liberal arts exists, mm-hmm. right? But we also know, like, no one majors in liberal arts as much anymore. Yeah. Because right. college, unfortunately, has become very transactional. It's yes. like, get your degree so that you can get that job. And so it's just another hurdle rather yep. than right. a full-fledged experience right. for a lot of our students. Right, right. Um, but yeah. What was your higher ed experience like? Because you didn't go in this typical STEM route, right? No, I did not. I went to a liberal arts school and got a Bachelor of Arts. Um, And I don't think I understood, you know, at 18 years old, the value of different bachelor degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm I'm definitely experiencing that now. I definitely can um, sort of understand the hesitation into going or not going into liberal arts. Um, But I think my education was absolutely invaluable um, because it 
you know, I majored in cultural anthropology. It was a very, very small program. It was a very small school. And so I had, you know, my entire department was two male professors, uh. two white male professors. Um, and granted, they were wonderful. They kind of built the entire foundation of my adult value system and my adult worldview. And um, I think that's amazing. But also it just taught me, I think that is what it taught me is critical thinking skills. Yeah. Um, because I think that's not necessarily promoted anymore. These sort of soft skills. I think a lot of um, lucrative businesses or uh, companies really want hard skills. So computer science or electrical engineering. Yeah. Um, but I think these soft skills really develop. I know at least they developed me as a person mm-hmm. um, and I'm, you know, I, I can't replace that with anything else. So, right. right. Yeah, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you as someone who is also a liberal arts yeah. major. <laughs> um, you know, it, it has definitely, um, in a way alienated me from mm-hmm. the people that I grew up with because yeah. at some point we just weren't thinking about things in the same way. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's why, um, you know, I, I got a bachelor's in Asian American studies in mm-hmm. 2005 and now I work for the center Right. and I'm always trying to sell it as this interdisciplinary major yeah. that runs the gamut sociology you got it history government law Mm -hmm. but if you also want to do theater and dance and uh, radio television film we have those classes right and when you look at it it looks like it's just a hodgepodge of classes that you're taking but it's Mm well-rounded i think Um, it makes you a well-rounded person yeah and that was my education i think that's so huge and i'm going to quote one of my all-time Asian American heroes as of recent, and mm-hmm. and that is Andrew Yang. You know, I mean, and this is like I just see him as a futurist. Forget about politics and presidential uh-huh. candidate nominee, yeah. uh-huh. any of that. Just he's a futurist, and one of the things he said that just resonated so powerfully with me and Mm -hmm. with Asian America is that he said something to the extent of we have mistakenly equated human value with economic value. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mistakenly though, that sounds, it sounded like it was a grand design. Yeah. I think it was very deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or we mistake. Yeah. That, yeah. Maybe that's that's what he says. Yeah. We mistake. Yeah. 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 So you're a Yang gang <laughs> banger? I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a Yanger. <laughs> I'm really surprised because, you know, right now it's like January, end of January 2020. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Yang is still in the mix yeah. of it all. Yeah. 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 He's the only person of color still running, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and Dave Chappelle just uh, endorsed him and he's been, he's, he's phone banking for oh <laughs> Andrew Yang. Wow. Yeah. He's like, this is Dave Chappelle. I'm a world famous comedian. No, oh I'm, I'm, I'm really curious <laughs> and I want y'all's opinion on this. Like, is Andrew Yang respected? Um, and how does his Asian American identity play into that, you know, like recently he Mm -hmm. had to call out like MSNBC because they got his name wrong. Mm -hmm. I think they got his photo wrong. Mm -hmm. Like they just put up some Asian person. Um, And so like he's having to constantly fight for recognition. And I wonder if that has to do with the invisibility that comes with being Asian. I think so. I think um, at least I would consider that racism, right? Mm, Um, And I think that's something that I've, 
I don't, I'm, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have experienced this in the Asian American community, but it's just the everyday little racism. And something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is that, you know, as Asian Americans, I think we're really fortunate in the sense that we're not being mass incarcerated. We're not being targeted by police brutality. Um, We're not, you know, experiencing all of these really, really outrageous um, bouts of racism. But all of a sudden, that means that the, the racism and the persecution that we do experience is suddenly invalid and that is become something that we can't talk about that's such so well said you talking and this is again why i love andrew yang so much <laughs> because you're 100 percent right yeah. it's racism it is mm-hmm. it's racism let's, let's be real that's racist yeah. <laughs> like who does that who, yeah like new news agencies are doing it you know yeah. right yeah what andrew yang to me really models and I hate to use that word when I'm talking about Asian American stuff. <laughs> what what he exemplifies is his forceful and uncompromising action. He's taking it in spite of it mm. because it can cripple many of us. He's like, yeah. well, I guess maybe this is not for me. Andrew Yang's like, no, no, we're going forward. He gets asked, so what if you're not the nominee? He's like, I'm going to be the nominee. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think, um, both of you, do you think that that's a trait that's sort of been conditioned into Asian Americans of the, I know at least as an Asian American woman, um, I know that the stereotype of submissiveness Uh, is um, part of this identity that I kind of have to battle, right? Yeah. Um, And I wonder, you know, as an Asian man, is that something that also is experienced on that side? And do you think that that's something that he also has to battle? Oh, that's a great question. I I think for me, it's it's a little more complex, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I also identify as gay and Mm -hmm. queer. So there's that intersection of these identities. And so for me, yes, that submissiveness uh, stereotype Mm -hmm. or or trait, I feel like that's a label that gets placed on me. Mm -hmm. And I I look at the same behaviors that they, um, they, the other people, Mm -hmm. um, identify as submissive. And for me, it's, you know, a lot of my uh, demureness comes from a collective mentality, right? It's like when I'm in a space, I'm always mindful of like, who's in the room? And, um, and then what identities do I bring in? And Mm -hmm. oftentimes I'm like, for the greater good of, you know, this uh, space, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a step back or I'm going to just silently help out and clean up and, and not be in the limelight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I definitely think, uh, women have it, uh, placed on them more so than mm-hmm. men sometimes. Um, but men get it too, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's one of the reasons why my other major Asian-American hero, Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. not not just what he did in films, but what he actually did to Hollywood. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. he, you know, Quentin Tarantino basically criticized him in, uh, what is it, whatever his film was, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, about him being cocky and arrogant. Well, mm-hmm. Bruce Lee had to be cocky and arrogant yeah. to get through white Hollywood. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be a kowtow Chinese, you know, uh, B-rate, you know, uh, back uh, background character. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be front and center. I'm going to be the richest, baddest, 
mofo out there. Yeah. You know, so he had to do that right. to just to get to the normal exactly. baseline of everyone even else. playing field. Even, yes. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that um, I'm not sure where this comes from, but it's definitely something that I've noticed that especially compared to sort of other cultures, um, we're not really taught to be vocal. We're not really taught to be bold. Um, yeah. In terms of, you know, just everyday expression, in terms of um, going into creative fields, sort of just all of it. Um, all right. yeah. And I think. Yeah. But going back, I, I think that's all with, you know, our parents survival mentality. Yeah. Part of surviving is keep your head down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And when you really look at like how immigration um you know, works like for my people, at least we were escaping war. And so I think that culturally there was just this air of like, keep your head down because it could mean literal death. Right. 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 And then there's the whole group think mentality Mm -hmm. that we ourselves second and 1.5 generations take on because we adopt that mindset and then we do it. We do it. It's put upon us by Mm -hmm. our family. You know, like every single Asian culture can go on for days talking about like saving face and and community shame and all of these like societal pressures. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh my God. So in many ways, sometimes you know, particularly for what I call the black sheep Asian Americans, kind of like us. <laughs> who, Are we black sheep? Who dare to step outside the world of STEM, yeah. you know? Like, you know, we have to sort of overcome our own community's mm-hmm. judgments for daring to step outside the box yeah. and do something that might not, you know, translate into huge economic gains. Mm-hmm. No. But I think what it does is it kind of gives a, a critical consciousness to what yeah. it means to be Asian American. Yeah. And hopefully by the end of this, and if we do get Asian American listeners, they're going to understand themselves a little more. Perhaps they'll understand yeah. their parents a little more. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that just understanding of self and knowing i think the big thing for this is knowing that you're not alone mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if you are one of those black sheep yeah. asian americans i think yeah. creating you know a space of solidarity totally. is so important because you know i wish i had known someone who was in a creative field uh, yeah. who i was close to when i was growing up Totally. Something that I'd like to do in in future episodes is really highlight Asian Americans who are daring to be different and what their story is. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. On that, I wanted to ask, like, you know, um, now that this is a uh, three person podcast, (laughs) like put your intentions out there. What is Mm -hmm. it that you want to talk about uh, in this project that we're doing? Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Love to hear. Well, I think uh, we should leave it at that for now. Okay. Let them think about that. (laughs) And uh, before we sign off, I just wanted to uh, just plug and shout out a few things. And Mm -hmm. if y'all have anything you want to shout out, uh, please do. I am going to be uh, the keynote speaker at the South Asian American Leadership Conference at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And yeah, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, David, Holly, Ariel, Yanni, Felicia, Erica, Jennifer, 
and Christina and uh, just thanking them for, you know, wanting to have mm-hmm. me there and, yeah. and uh, talk about uh, whatever it is I talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so but, excited for you. Yeah. yeah. And I, it is your alma mater. It is my yeah. alma mater. Yep. Yeah, I got, I got all my schooling done over there. Oh. <laughs> um, so uh, I also wanted to, you know, mention that this podcast is done uh, in partnership between uh, Austin Kung Fu Academy, my business, and uh, Center for Asian American Studies. You can check out Austin Kung Fu Academy at austinkungfuacademy.com. Mm. And that's where you'll find me. Yeah. And you can follow us on social media. Our, ha- our handle is at UT. Cass, C-A-A-S. And finally, we are about to go social. Yes. So, uh, so Shutong and Tony, we're all going to make our presence on social media yeah. you know, by having a Good Morning Asian America Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, yep. yeah. website. We'll have it all up yep. there. We'll take a group picture right after right. this. That's yes. right. That's right. Well, thank y'all for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. I'm Santanu. I'm Tony. I'm Shu Tong. See y'all next time. Bye. Bye.